Hi, this is Jamie Lynn Walnow, host of Set Apart with Jamie Lynn Walnow and The Next America Show. If you want to create an impactful kingdom business, you should be listening to the Eternal Entrepreneur Podcast with my good friends, Joe Newton and Pierce Brantley. On the Eternal Entrepreneur, we believe faith comes by hearing and so do business skills. You'll hear powerful stories and strategies to grow your business directly from Christian leaders who have done it all before. Catch us on Mondays for lunch breaks, our bite-sized business series, and twice a month on Fridays for faith-inspiring interviews. Hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Eternal Entrepreneur. I am Pierce Brantley, along with my co-host, Joe Newton, and we cannot be more excited to share a conversation with Jamie Lynn Walnu. Jamie is the CEO of Walnow Media Collective, the host of the Set Apart Podcast, a show which ignites you to build a life with God in the Next America show, a guilt-free, informative news source that awakens the church to the nation's future. Her dynamic and spirit-centered content is reviving the hearts of people all across the nation. Jamie Lynn, welcome to the Eternal Entrepreneur. Hey, we love to start our episodes with keeping things in context. We like our interviews, like our Bible in context. So can you tell us, give us some of the backstory. How did you intersect first with business, entrepreneurship, and all of the different avenues that you're walking through right now. What's interesting is you and I were working together a little bit during this time. I would say I graduated with my master's degree in communication with all the entitlement and pride that comes with it. Going to change the world today. Should be making this today. Why is this happening today? Give me the mic. All that. All that. And ended up going to Upper Room Dallas. And the truth is I'm attending this church at Upper Room which is where I know the two of you from. And then I am going, like, I'm in this corporate job that the Lord never invited me into, which this is the cute early 20s, really learning stage of life. And I just wanted to do it because I thought I could climb the corporate ladder and then serve the Lord with my money kind of thing. And I just wasn't, I wasn't satisfied. And the the Lord gave me a dream and he showed me what, how I would get fired if I didn't put my two weeks notice in. And at the end of the dream, I was painting. So I put my two weeks notice in and my boss looked at me and she was so kind and was like, I thought we were going to have to let you go because of blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, like my dream. And so I left and I began painting in faith, which was huge for me because when you start a business, first of all, I was living at home with my parents. That was which enabled me to be able to do this. And when you're starting a company, it is not for the mundane. It is not like when you start like cold turkey, no grid, there's not like, I didn't have a manual for starting a company. Now my dad's an entrepreneur. So I had that, but all this to say, it was like the first month I had a loan payment due. And that day I got a check for the amount of the loan to pay it. And I felt the Lord was showing me because I was so used to going and getting what I wanted and working hard. The Lord was showing me how to trust him with business and building. And I needed that. I had too much pride and it was his kindness that really showed me how to build with him and depend on him and trust him instead of getting so caught up in the apathy towards him because I was able to provide for myself. Business, uh, Breakthrough Artistry, I started that company and was painting, 
was doing a lot of painting at our church, was selling original artwork, was doing little pop-ups here and there. And I loved it. I really enjoyed the time freedom. Once you become an entrepreneur, it's really runs you because you have so much time freedom. You're your own boss. And I don't mean that like in a prideful way. Like genuinely, it's epic to be able to like, you know, put schedule with family here during the day and be able to work late at night, not feeling confined to hours. Like I really enjoyed that part of it. And I'm a night owl. So I really enjoyed it. So all that to say, that is how it started. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yes, that, that, that definitely answered uh, my question and gave us some context into your initial uh, journey there. I, I'm curious, when you say you, you got that dream, like I'm assuming you mean like literally you went to sleep at night, you got a dream, you woke up, you remembered this from the, the night before. Was that something that was new for you as far as hearing God? in that way and, and being obedient to something that I was having so many dreams in that season and leading up to it before I was spirit filled. When I was a little girl, I had a dream about heaven that blew my mind and made me realize God speaks in dreams. I had no, like we had no one telling us that this was true today and all that. I just knew cause I had a relationship with God and talked to him all the time in my head. So I'd say that because I would dream something and it would happen. So it taught me to pay attention. So yes, it was a night dream. I'd been having dreams like that. And I realized, wow, I'm praying and seeking you and you're answering me in the night. And so this is all lining up. This makes sense that it would play out this way. And I'm miserable. And you didn't call me to be miserable. And he never told me to take that job. So yes. That's awesome. I, I love that because I think that's so important. We talk about that quite a bit on, on the Eternal Entrepreneur as far as having a history with God and knowing how to, to go back to that consistently, especially when times you're not as sure what the, the next step should be. I'm curious, what, what was the journey then from you started off uh, doing, is artistry the right word? <laughs> That works. Uh, yes. Be, being a professional artist to now you are, I don't know if media mogul would be the, the right terminology, but you do a ton of media. You've got a podcast, you've got a show, you're coming out with a new book. How did you, what was the journey with you and God from painting to, to what you're doing now? Yeah. One time at church, I didn't think ministry was a real job for all you entrepreneurs out there. Don't ever say that. Don't you dare say that because I used to be that person. I even had, okay, this will make sense. Our pastor is up at the front at church and he's, like, we are looking for a family and children's pastor. Please be praying with us. And I almost raised my hand. I did not want anything to do with kids, mind you. And I always felt sorry for anyone who went back there with kids, but they didn't really have a children's ministry. They have essentially had babysitting at the time. And so I was like, oh my goodness, why did I almost raise my hand? So I went on this journey with the Lord and then he began to give me dreams and show me that I was the children's pastor for Upper Room. And the cool thing is I knew I had no idea how to build it, but I knew how to go to God. And that was enough, right? So I go to Michael and Larissa, I was like, I, this may be crazy, but I think it's supposed to be me. Have no experience, but I know how to go to the one who does. And I still remember Michael being like, who's that? And Larissa was like, it's Jesus, Michael. She knows how to go to Jesus. <laughs> but... Anyways, 
I step into that and I build, and that's when Joe and I met one another and we were like building, we had an amazing team that built so many volunteers that just believed this could not have been done without it. This is where I started to realize the apostolic call on my life and the entrepreneur thing. Cause I remember even viewing it like a franchise. How can we put this up and put it in another city? So I began to be the children's pastor and it totally humbled me. It taught me, I learned the word by teaching the word. It taught me that children, I had to teach the word. We, Joe and I, had to teach the word as it was written. And these kids believed it and signs, wonders, miracles happen in the classroom. It was phenomenal. So it really taught me how to be like a child in all that I approached with God, no matter what it was, no matter how serious it was. Red means red, blue means blue. God said it, so it's going to be done. I became the our church is building and you wear all these hats. And so I would, as all, all these different roles and I end up going into full-time painting again, and then really fast forward, like fast, fast forward to 2017, my whole life changed through something that happened at our church. The Lord is showing up in a big way, which is where my book is birthed from this moment in my life. And, um, crazy enough, we're at this conference at upper room that I'm directing at our church. And, I just encountered the Lord. And in my mind, I heard you're going to be in Phoenix by the end of the year. And I giggled, but I was also like, that was too random to hear. And from this, all this to say, connected with this guy. I heard Patricia King speak for the first time that year. Connected with her assistant, essentially, or or media director. And we became friends instantly. He felt like family instantly. And I ran into him again. And this is my whole life had changed. I was doing art full time and I knew God was doing something. So I was like, do y'all have an internship? Cause they were a media, like a Christian media company or ministry. And he was like, we don't have anything like that anymore, but you know what? Let's see. So all this to say, I'm about to, I'm 30 minutes away from putting my down payment on an apartment in Arlington. And I get a phone call and he's like, Hey, so I talked to Patricia and we were thinking, cause he told me maybe you could come out here for two weeks, Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona, isn't like everybody thinks it is. You may not like it. And in my head, I'm like, if the Lord's calling you, why would you leave? You know what I mean? I'm like, why would I go for two weeks? So he's like, talk to Patricia and she wants to have you out here for three months. Tell me what your dream is. And we're going to write an internship based off that. They've never done that. I've never heard of that. And it was just this random, wow, God, mind you, I like, I just dumped everything that I had in my hands to the Lord, including my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband. Like I laid everything down before the Lord and moved on. So I went there for three months and that's where the media thing came. And Patricia's, you have a call for media on camera and helping facilitate and build things. And it was crazy. So it was behind camera, on camera, really doing things that I'll never be doing again, but trying to learn everything. And that's where this relationship started with this ministry and all these people. And so now it's so surreal, random things like that. So I'm connected with Patricia. I get to do interviews with her on God TV. And then my friend was asked to host a Life Matters campaign for God TV a year and a half, two years ago, maybe. And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know it was for God TV. I thought it was little videos for college and ended up hosting a TV show on God TV called Life Matters, a pro-life show, which I had no idea what I was getting into. So all these things, I felt like it just stumbled into them and they happened. And having that covering of men and women who've gone before you, who've paved the way, who see what you carry. And I just love serving these men and women and just genuinely to learn and because I believe in them. And then all of a sudden it's like opportunities come, maybe not from them, maybe from them, but that's how all this media has happened. So now I do, you know, two videos a week for two massive Facebook pages on 
Facebook, uh, for God TV. It's it just, like, I, I don't understand, but God did it and I love it. And it's my new normal and it was my dream. And so that's it's Jehovah sneaky, as you've heard the term vamped this, but I think part of it was dying to myself in my twenties because my dream was to be Michael Miller, not Michael Miller, but like our main pastor to direct a church or something to preach or to have a TV show. But God took me his way instead of my way. And that's how I ended up where I am. And it's happening far better and more peaceful and with character that God has developed within me that I would not have had. I tried to do it on my own long answer, but I feel like that's important to share with people like, man, you submit to him as Lord, even in your dreams and he'll get you there in a really unique way. If it's where you're supposed to go. I know. I'm so glad you did share that as your answer, because I think oftentimes I think entrepreneurs are, are fine with the idea of sacrifice, but it's the idea of I'm going to sacrifice my family. Or I'm going to sacrifice maybe some short-term revenue of some kind. I'm willing to sacrifice of myself to hustle. And the Lord is always working from a place of rest. He's like, you know, why don't I orient your life, put you into an internship that doesn't exist with people that have gone before you and give you a platform? Why don't I, what I, I made you, I know you'll fit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just fast forward and, and have a little bit of a holy hustle here instead of just a, a normal one. So I, I think I it's good that. because that's the paradox that I think every entrepreneur has to come to terms with if, if they're trying to have a kingdom. Joe, you may remember this, and I'm all about being real about my past, but I was spread so thin during that time at Upper Room. I said yes to everything. And this one girl who wasn't maybe the kindest towards me told me one time, hey, like it really hurt her feelings that I was late to a meeting. And she let me know how that made her feel. And as silly and as simple as it was, it really hit my heart. Like it may not have been the best way to hear it, or maybe from the quote unquote person you think it should come from, but it came from this person and it made me realize I have to say no more than I say yes. And now like people look at me and they're like, I know you're busy, but, and I'm like, actually I'm not because I have to be able to peacefully steward what I have. My husband's my priority. My family's my priority. God's my priority. I have these priorities and then I just can't spread myself then anymore because I don't want to hurt somebody that I could be discipling or a friend or whatever it may be. So all that to say, I think that's another thing that you're saying, Pierce, that I had to learn was it is more, it, I do say no more than I say yes, because if it's not within the vision of what God's given me, it's okay to say no. And I celebrate when people say no, and I hear no from people. And I celebrate it as much as I would if they said yes, because I understand I have the fear of the Lord over that. I don't want to get to heaven having slapped his name on everything. And he's, you didn't do any of that with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you're preaching to the choir when it comes to that right now. I know Taylor and I, my wife, that's one of the things that the Lord's told us specifically for this year is you need to focus on the vision that I've given you. And if it doesn't line up with that, you need to say no to it. Yeah. So that's a huge lesson, I think, for entrepreneurs and just uh, us Christians in general. Jamie, I, I want to get into a little because obviously your book is is coming out and it's in the title, Holiness. Can you tell us a little bit more about, specifically, you mentioned that your journey back in 2017 is mentioned in the book. Uh, unpack how has holiness played a part in, in this journey since then? 
Yeah, I think what's interesting is when you hear somebody say something and it puts language to your life circumstance, you're like, oh, yes, wow. Or it's just somebody really mature comes in and you're like, whoa. And you'll never forget that, that nugget. One time, Patricia, actually, I've heard her say it a few times, Patricia King said to me, and if for you young people out there who do not yet know her, I really encourage you. She's a serial entrepreneur and a phenomenal builder with God. And she's paved away. She did media before it was a thing, like found out how to preach the gospel on websites before webs, like when it was like dial up level. So I just want to encourage people really make sure that you're serving and following and learning from generals because we can do that on media now. But anyways, she said, what did she say? <laughs> she said, when you encounter God, that's often his commissioning into your message. And for me, I've encountered the fear of the Lord with his spoken voice, which makes sense to me for my call that I believe I'll be, I'm stepping into more over the next however many decades, but also holiness, just being touched by God. The whole book opens up with this encounter and the whole encounter with God is so crazy. Like could not make up what happened. It happened. And it was, it changed my life. And this is how I know it was God too. One, I could never manufacture anything because I'm too real and I can't stand the thought of anything being manufactured. So I knew it was God because I couldn't physically control what was happening. I chose to lean into it, but I couldn't control all that was happening once I did. And then two, my life is totally different. I am transformed from that moment to now. It was in 2017. And there's a lot of things I don't do now that I did before. Maybe not bad, but they're not what... God had for me and who he made me to be. And I felt commissioned into, I feel I've lived that. And so when you read the pages of the book, if you take the time to read it or whoever's listening, if this interests you at all, nothing in there's an idea of what could be. It's all a life lived. It's I live this, I breathe this. I'll tell you where I struggle at times. It's real. I like, I love it when leaders are real about thoughts that they have or things that come at them. But all of it is, it's crazy stories about my life, but it is foundational holiness. I feel my friend Lana Vosser wrote an endorsement about it. And when she was done reading it, she said, this is a manual that you'll go back to in this era. So I feel it's like, hey, this is what how I've encountered the man Jesus. And this is how Jesus really is the only answer. And it's essentially preparing men and women to live holy so that you can build with God in everything without compromise, because if you are not rooted and grounded in holiness, which can only come from loving him and being in relationship with him, love helps you obey when you don't feel like it, all the things, right? So when you get in this business situation and everybody's ready to compromise and it's a million dollar deal and your vote is on the counter, you can't vote yes with everyone else. Are you willing to vote no because you know the Lord's saying not to? Or are you thinking it's a small thing? It's okay. Don't worry. It's like that extreme of, are we going to listen to the Holy Spirit? Because he'll always reward those who he's always going to reward you and celebrate your choices to be obedient. That I feel is how this book was birthed from that moment to now. And I'm like, I will give my life for people to know the man Jesus and to not compromise because I have compromised in business and I hated it. I hated <laughs> that I allowed myself to do that. I, that's so powerful. And I love that you mentioned the fear of the Lord, because I think it, 
it can feel very old Testament when we just talk about it and, oh yeah, you gotta have the fear of the Lord. And you're like, you mean like I've got to get struck by lightning or like what constitutes fear of the Lord here? Because I like, I like my life, but it, the Bible actually says what the fear of the Lord is it, Proverbs 22, four says humility is the fear of the Lord. You want to know what the fear of the Lord is? It's walking in humility. What's incredible about that is that the Bible says that the outcome of that same verse same semicolon sentences. It's wages are riches and honor and life. Do you want to know what the outcome of set apartness is? You want to know the outcome of, of fostering fear of the Lord is? It's wages and riches and life and knowing Christ in abundance. And so there's such a connection between how we build out a relationship with the Lord and what that builds out in our lives. They're, they're intrinsically connected because we are grafted into a new way of living. And so we can't help but grow except for taking the sap of the spirit through our lives. So Jamie, I'm curious, like what's a recent story of seeing this play out in your own life with having to make a choice on holiness? I think practicals are always you know, interesting and they, they help us navigate. For me, my dream has changed. I wanted to host the Oscars and have a show like Oprah Ellen, which honestly could still happen. God could still do all that. But now I just want everyone to know him and create with God. So I would say for me, I could so easily right now build in media, like sponsor a Jamie Lynn post, which I would totally sponsor posts for my book. It's a message. I think it should get out there. If the Lord invited me to sponsor, it would. I could sponsor a Jamie Lynn post with the intent of people following me or do something so more people will follow me because I want to build a platform. And if I have more people following me, it gives me more authority. These are all the things that come at you with media. So I would say there's been so many times where I've had the thoughts come at me of, um, and I honestly feel like these thoughts are dead now because I became like a spiritual spiker pro was like, no, but there was a time where it was like, I'm launching my book and I do not have a massive following. To some people, maybe I do, but I do not think that I do. But guess what? This is the time. I'm not going to build my platform so that more people will know me. Nothing I do is about me. And what's so interesting is I find myself now at a time where this message has nothing to do with people knowing me. Like I just created something for this project and my name was nowhere on it. And I feel like the Holy Spirit was like, look what you just did. It was all the message of the book in this box that I was creating for this book. And that to me shows me like, and I could totally, there's so much you can do in media. Apparently you can buy followers. You know what I mean? There's so, I could connect with certain people in ministry because they have a massive platform and that's why I'm connecting with them. But there are a lot of men and women that he tells me not to connect with via discernment. And so I would say that's what shows up the most is I'm not going to connect with somebody because of what they have. I'm going to connect with people with what I do because he's leading me to do that. So not inviting certain people onto my platform or not going on to certain people's platforms and just being authentic and organic with what God's doing. Cause I want what he has, not what the world tells me I should have. No. I don't know if that answered it, but I feel that's the biggest media punch that we face. I think that's really good. I I faced that here a few years back when I, I, I launched a book. And my perspective was the more eyeballs, the better. So I just 
threw money at it. I threw, and I even building the, the following up in order to talk to the right people in order to build it all out. And it was such a waste. <laughs> it was such a, it was such a waste. It's a number now. And if you're just looking at it from the outside, you're like, oh, that's wow. There, you must be growing. It must be doing anything. And no, all was an exchange. <laughs> that's how it was. But I think it's so good because there really is a mind change that the Christian has to go through. We go from glory to glory, not from progress to progress. Oftentimes, I think the Christian business owner thinks, if God is on this, I'm going to be progressing. I'm leveling up. I may not be going up the corporate ladder, but I am definitely building the ladder. I'm in the ladder making business. I'm going from progress to progress. No, you are going from glory to glory, which is a stripping down of every ladder you think you have access to, but it transforms you into something completely different. You do not need a platform when God is building you a plateau of his peace and of his rest and of everything that he could be doing in your life. He's giving you a landscape to see from. And if you would just let him set you there and give you space, good things are happening. You don't need your strife. So I, I love what you're saying because it's true. It may not be Facebook followers or, or millions of views on YouTube for, you know, some listeners, it may be something else, a certain association, a certain relationship or something like that. You don't necessarily need it. What the Lord needs is your heart and you're a puzzle piece in a sense. You're fitting into the grander landscape of what he's doing. So I, I love it. It's very inspiring. It's so good. I love that. So Jamie, I really feel like there are a lot of there are a lot of practicals that we can take from your message. And I really like to help people move from the theory into the the tactic, so to speak. It's all in relationship, of course. What do you think are some practical ways that we can practice holiness? And I not in a religious sense. I, I date my wife on a regular basis. It's a habit, but it's also a really good thing. It fosters intimacy. So what are some ways that we can foster that holiness and that, that holy hustle in our lives? Turn or burn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, really, though, <laughs> I, I love that question because I'm a very solution-driven person. If I'm going to do a podcast or if I'm going to put my hands to something, I never want to be like the Israelite in the desert that's like stirring up anger or frustration in people. I want to provide solutions or I'm not supposed to speak. So I feel like you said, it is relationship. And I want to paint a picture of what's coming before I give practicals. Cause I think with our generation, it's like practicals don't matter if we can't see where we're, if we don't know the why it's like, when you hear somebody preach, we don't want the perfect polished preachers. We want the ones who are real about what they face. So we feel like we can trust them because we require trust. Every generation does, but I feel that really strong in our generation. So when you know that you're the one that people will be reacting and responding to on earth because of God, because of his crazy wisdom, innovation, wise ideas, things that don't exist yet. It's a game changer. When you know that's actually your call in life to be a solution bringer, a standard bearer in society without compromise that actually has the solution for the darkness in education the dark business ways of doing things. Maybe there's a need in government. It takes one person to transform this. And Noah, when he was building his ark, was innovating something, was being scoffed at, was being X, Y, Z. So the first thing is when you have relationship with God, I had a dream years ago 
that I was running from the cops and I didn't know why. So I was looking for my dad and I was like, what do I know that I don't know? And my, I found my dad who's representing clearly the father in heaven. And he's, it's time for you to know what your greatest weapon on earth is. And I was like, fire. And he was like, no. And then this helmet came out of the sky and he puts this legit helmet on my head. And he's like, your most powerful weapon on earth is prayer. And I woke up and I was like, I'm about to throw something. That was so specific. And he wasn't like, your most powerful weapon is building a business that will be here for decades. Your most powerful weapon is all the wealth you're storing up for your family to be passed down. He was like, your most powerful weapon is relationship with me because that's what prayer is. So prayer, are you listening to God? Because you can't know what to do if you're talking all the time. And I guarantee you one of the most profound ways to hear wisdom is to listen to him because he knows we don't. He does. And so I would say first and foremost, prayer, which requires that exchange of listening. And then you begin to pray what he's sharing with you rather than And one of the keys to to prayer. I want to say is going in with Thanksgiving, because sometimes it can feel so heavy. Let's just be real. We look around us. We see how the world's been discipled. Oh my goodness, God, how are we going to change this? What's happening? So you just go in with Thanksgiving of everything wonderful you've seen him do, even if you don't feel like it. You go in and it allows you to posture yourself to realize I'm going to listen because everything you've done that I just thanked you for, I could never have done without you. So whatever I'm facing, whatever our world needs right now, our nation, our city, our family, my friend, me, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And then getting accustomed to his voice. So I would say prayer. And then I would say when you have wisdom, she gives you the courage to move forward and the timing to know when to move forward. And she gives you a blueprint that's not for Pierce. It's not for Joe. It's for you. And the spirit of knowledge and understanding come in and show you how to do it, when to do it and implement it. And so when you have, when you recognize you're building with God, the double mindedness leaves. I used to really battle double mindedness. I didn't know what to do. Honestly, I keep referring to Joe because we worked so close with our team at upper room, I was carrying all of this at the time. I didn't know if I should do this or do that. And there was a lot of double-mindedness going on um, in my life. And I didn't realize that until I matured in, in my relationship with him. And so committing yourself to what he says, and no matter what people say, do it. And here's another thing that you're going to find practically. When nobody's looking, will you do it? Because I have this podcast that I've been doing. It's a back burner project for me. So it's still cooking. Eliana said that one time at upper room, you know, God's still cooking what's on the back burner, but that dish is important in the meal. And so am I going to keep showing up no matter what the numbers are, no matter if I've heard feedback in a while, whatever it is, will I keep showing up and being faithful? Cause he's called me to it. And will I do it with excellence? So I want to encourage people. I think we've got to shift the mindset and we have this social media world where everyone feels they should be seen or heard. And nothing I'm putting my hands to is apart from a commissioning from the Lord internally. And none of it happened all of a sudden. There was something that happened when nobody saw me that was being fostered, like developing messages for Samuel School, for our children's ministry. Every Sunday taught me how to create a quick message to share and to preach through media. So be faithful where you are now while he's sharing with you about what's to come, but be present now to what he's sharing with you because it is developing character in you to be able to take these innovations that will come because he's faithful, 
when you have that, it's like really easy. I've been accused. I've been, oh my goodness, slandered more than any other year in my life at the beginning of this year. And it was really Mm. painful. But I would say that's going to happen to us because it says in the word that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. Because So it's going to happen. There's a few times where Jesus refers to being persecuted for being holy or righteous. And will you endure it? Do you trust the voice of God like Noah? Will you still build the ark even though there's no rain in sight? Will you still keep building what he's saying? Because one day you could totally save generations to come by your actions. And it's not about you. It's about people getting to heaven because of your yes with God, period. So I know that's pretty intense, but I feel that's what really comes to my mind. And the book has a lot of practicals like fasting, prayer, praying in the spirit, blah, blah, blah. All the things that will offend the religious mind. But that's what comes out in my heart right now for your podcast to share. No, I love that. And I, by the way, I love that dream too of the the helmet coming down so cool that that's so it really is cool because you think like new testament that we're told all right what do i give you to put on i give you the helmet of salvation the breastplate of righteousness i give you all these things like you said what's your weapon fire no (laughs) hey the weapon is prayer it's in isaiah the exact same analogy is there but with God, the exact same one. And he says, he puts on the righteousness as a blessed plate. He puts on the helmet of salvation. He goes through all the same stuff. God wears the same stuff. He gives us his armor. Wow. There's two things that we don't get to wear that he puts on. He puts on the cloak of vengeance and he puts on the garments of, of zeal. He's the one with the fire and he's the one who gets to do the fighting. We don't get to wear capes. When we come into Christ, the cape wearing is only up to God. But I think it's fascinating that it gives us everything but two things, his vengeance and his zeal. Those belong to him. And we're supposed to let him pave, pave the wave there. I can think like a couple of years back, about five, six years ago, I really wanted a C-suite job. I knew I was cut out for it. I got asked to interview for it. And I was like, I am taking this role. Like it is time. It doesn't matter that I'm like 27. It's time for the role. <laughs> I've waited so long. And and so I, I went after it and we'd gone through an interviewing process. I thought there was a ton of synergy. And I heard the Holy Spirit say in prayer, because I didn't know whether it was going to move forward. I heard him say, stop rushing to high places. Don't rush to high places. And I was like, couldn't have been the Lord. No way. That was the Lord. And then sure enough, it fell through. And I knew instantly that what I was doing there was I was trying to put create an exchange. I was trying to take the anointing he gave me and leverage it for a role, which is never going to work, right? There is something about separating yourself, letting the process of holiness work yourself out. And in his own time, He's going to move you where he wants you to move. And it's, and that's actually a a better thing. It's a way better thing because one, you're going at a pace at a clip that he has destined for you. And then you're also doing things in relationship. You're letting him fight for you. You're letting him pick the battles. All you have to do is stay in prayer and you're actually a lot more effective. And looking back on it now, I am so happy 
that I didn't get that role and, and I'm where I'm at now because he had a, a better sense of things. I very much resonate with what you're saying and I'm sure everyone else is too. In case we need some Old Testament references, because everybody loves the Old Testament. There's amazing King Asa. The Lord delivered the enemy enemies into his hand time and time again, because his heart was turned to the Lord. And there was one moment where he turned his heart to man, to another one. And because of that, his nation was at war for 70 years. And it says, a prophet came to him and said, the Lord is looking all throughout the earth for those whose hearts are turned to him to strengthen them. But you, because of what you've done, your nation will be at war for seven years. Our actions, like this is where I feel the fear of the Lord. There's no shame and there's no condemnation when it comes to God. Anytime I've had to repent or recognize I'm wrong, it's never been masked with shame. It's just been like, oh my goodness, that means God's in my presence right now, correcting me. And he's reminding me of who I am. It's that simple. But then you see these kings who are super evil. I'm, Dear Lord you're so evil. And they got captured and they genuinely repented and turned their heart to the Lord. And then they go in and they tear down the high places, all the idols. So one whose heart is, it, 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 there's something about your heart being turned to the Lord and allowing him, like Pierce was saying, to deliver the enemy into your hands. We are not cause. We're not the ones that are made to fight. Now he may put us on the front lines, but the battle in the kingdom of heaven is not the battle that the world shows us. And when we get that down, you will be one of the greatest influencers in modern day current history. You will because you're with God and you may not, you could be influencing the greatest influencer ever. Would you be down if heaven all was in shock of how you lived your life because your heart was turned to God, but you never had the platform or the audience that you thought you'd have. However, you're sitting in president presidential offices privately delivering prophetic words or strategies or blueprints in order to save our entire nation. And he wouldn't have had that had you not received it from the Lord or she, excuse me, or Madam President wouldn't have had that had you not gone to them with what God shared. So there's huge implications here of just your heart being turned to him. And I think that's key in business. What was business about it? There's so many battles in business. And when I took it into my own hands, I was at war with myself. I was at war with the situation. I was at war with the people around me rather than strengthened by the Lord and loving everybody the way he called me to. That's so good. I recently moved out into a new role. I have a new business going. And in a season past, I've been fighting basically every single day. And I literally like across the boardroom, like throwdowns every single day. and. There's a big part of my personality that just loves a good, a good brawl. It's it, but I, for the sake of change, right? No one just likes to fight for its own sake. I don't like being a gladiator, but I was exhausted at the end of it. Absolutely exhausted. And the Holy spirit showed me, he said, shake the dust off your feet. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he was showing me that I may have been right, but just like the disciples, I'm not putting myself on that level at all. It was business. But he was saying, hey, listen, you can be, you have the right intentions about something, but if your peace, if my peace is not coming with you and staying on you, then you need to shake the dust off and you need to leave that thing. And that's something that we can all really, I think, aspire to is that we need the peace and the rest of the Lord, the rest of the Lord in our lives in order to be effective, any strife on our own part is just going to end up being brawls for their own sake. And there's nothing that's going to edify from it. So that's really good. 
Hey, Jamie, I feel like I want to ask, we've, we've talked a little bit about how you've been able to steward the different things that the Lord has brought to you, the different opportunities. And I feel like you, you are being put on certain platforms and being given access to certain audiences. So there, there are riches in one way or another that the God, that God has, the God <laughs> has, has has brought to you. Can you talk a little bit what he's shown you and the ways that he's fathered you about how holiness and the revelation of righteousness helps you to steward the riches when you receive them? I love that, Joe. I think that's really beautiful. I'm always in awe because I think one thing that's really important for people to know is I've never asked to speak on somebody's platform. I've never invited myself and I've never served somebody ever with the intention of their platform being mine, not once. And I think that it's important to like with holiness and righteousness, it's like, father, who have you called me to serve? Whether it makes sense or not. And you serve them. And honestly, it's such a place of love with, I know I've said her name a lot. And for some people, they may be like, stop name dropping. And to me, I'm like, I'm, this is, I don't actually talk about a lot of people that I run with because I just, there's no need to. But in this regard, with Patricia specifically, or my father-in-law, Lance Wallnow, like with these people, I ask the Lord where I'm to serve and I do. And I have been invited many times to serve in areas or invited on a big space that would have been, and the Holy Spirit said, no. And so I said, no, but what was crazy is they still kept asking later on. So I think getting to a point in holiness and righteousness where there's not one person on this earth, no matter the size of their platform that controls my destiny. There's not one person there is, his name is Jesus, but I can't allow somebody of influence on earth to dictate what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And none of these people want to, some would, some will, mind you, not the people I've mentioned, but I'm saying some have a manipulative controlling, they're deceived and they don't know they're deceived. And there may be a time where God calls you to serve somebody like that. And you may be their deliverance. You may be the one that's called to serve and ignite the Lord in their hearts and in their lives. And so I think with holiness and righteousness, I, I hope that this is answering your question. Stewarding it is, okay, when I come to theirs, how can I serve them? So what would be best for your platform? How could I serve your audience most in this regard? And then asking for feedback later. There's times when I don't ask for feedback. And then there's other times where I'm like, please always let me know if I need correction, which correction has become it. I, I would say that's my number one love language is correction because I know when somebody brings correction, whether it's true or not, they love me and they don't want a wall up or they're wanting me to grow. And I want to be like Jesus. So I'll always take what somebody says before the Lord. And so when you're serving these men and women, First of all, remember, they it's most likely taken them decades to get where they are. Some young people, it hasn't. But even in that, I'm not going to reach out to be on a young person's platform because of their platform. So can you be led by the Holy Spirit? That's holiness. It's being liberated from the world and being led by God. And so I feel like that's the best way I could answer is really asking the Holy Spirit, not just diving in and saying yes, just because you think you should. Like I'm back at Upper Room now. We moved back here almost a year ago. And my normal personality would have been to get involved and serve everywhere. But I'm actually serving in one of the most hidden places. 
but he's teaching me something. And I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying this for an example. Like I'm not serving where I thought I would serve when I came back. And I have peace in my life and my family because I'm not spread thin serving at my church, but I'm still serving at my church. Does that make sense? No, I think that's good. And it's a good conversation for us to share with our specific audience. I I think we've hit on the specific topic of serving so much, especially what you were just sharing. And I know when I first started my real estate business, I was praying and, and trying to endeavor to enter into a dialogue with God. And I was like, what is this about? And he gave me the phrase, it's all about value. And knowing that for every person that I, I come in front of, one, it's knowing their value, who they are in Christ. But two, it's about bringing as much value, which I see in the same context of how can I serve the person in front of me with the purest of motives, not what I yes. can get from them, but what how, just how can I serve them and leave them better than when, when we first came in contact? Yeah. See, what's interesting about that, Joe, is... When you're a business leader, you know, some of the greatest millionaires don't look like millionaires. Some of the poorest people look like millionaires. They got in debt to be where they are. Like, like you'll discover a lot with God. So are you going to serve the person with the platform? Are you going to serve the person that doesn't yet have a platform? Like really, where is your heart? Because God may cause you to serve somebody's vision you don't know them that well, their character, you believe in what they're doing, but they don't have X, Y, Z yet. But would you still serve them and treat them the same way you would if they were your biggest mentor and somebody you really admire? And I think that's key too. And I love, that's what you just, what the Holy Spirit shared with you, with each person that comes in front of you. They're just as valuable. A $300,000 home is just as valuable, the person as a $5 million budget home. It's really good. It reminds me of, you look at like Jesus and his ministry. When he was put up on top of the mountain, when Satan put him up on top of the mountain and he was like, Hey, serve me and you inherit all of this. As far as the eye conceived, he pulled like a Simba on him and the Lord goes like, no, like I don't need it. What I love about that though, is that he's like, what good is a kingdom of which I'm not going to use? What good is a principle or a law of this world that I'm not going to leverage? He focuses on the individual, on the lost sheep. You look at some of the stories like the man at the pool of Bethesda and stuff like that. And we're still telling the stories today. He doesn't need the world systems. And so oftentimes we use the world systems in order to acquire what we think is a kingdom aspiration and it doesn't work. And sometimes it takes us years to figure that out. But I just, I love what you guys are, are cooking. It's good stuff. That's good. I love the Simba. <laughs> I love if people could just see us laughing. We're all on mute and laughing. at We uh, to bring the full circle of life, life slash podcast here. We do need to jump into our final five questions. So Jamie Lynn, question number one, what are your three top must read books, not including the Bible? And these can be business, family, spiritual, even your favorite cookbook. I love that. The Blessed Life by, is it Rick Morris? Morris. Robert Morris. Okay. Oh my goodness. John 
I want to say it's John Maxwell. Oh my goodness. This is, I'm the worst with names guys, but it's how to the art of closing the sale. And what I love about it is it breaks it down. And to me, it's kingdom principles. Don't sell it. If they need it, if one of these areas is off, do not move forward with business. And I think it's so pure. If they need it, if they want it, if they can afford it and if they'll use it again. And if one of those is off, don't sell it to them. And that was mainly with network marketing because it can be so manipulative, but I really love that because some things you won't need again, but you need in that moment. So I really love that book. And maybe one of you could look that up really quickly for me so we could get the, thank you. And then the other series is Rick Joyner, The Mountain in the Valley. Mind blowing. It's so powerful about character and about people. I just was weeping and I couldn't function reading the books. They were, I just spread them out over time. It was so powerful. Anything Rick Joyner writes, but especially his like torch and sword series. Is that what it's called? Guys, I have the, I should have written this down. It's all good. Like I said, so Pierce will be Googling those and we'll have those in the show notes for you with uh, links as well as authors. So great. The Art of Closing the Sale is uh, the legend, uh, Brian Tracy. He's a there you go. Speaker. I was so close. We love you, John Maxwell. <laughs> <laughs> Anything John Maxwell is probably good, too, if you want to look up one of those. <laughs> All right, question number two. You can send a note card back to yourself when you're first starting off on your entrepreneurial journey. What are the three pieces of advice you're putting on the card? Endurance is key. Do not rush the process in the journey that you're with God. <laughs> Two, you won't marry Lance for a really long time. Hang in there, sis. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, I, would, I, I would not, I did not need to know that then. I would not have stayed in the game. But endurance, which goes with that, ask for wisdom and listen for wisdom. And then, protect your time in the word. I would have, I didn't realize how amazing the word of God was and how important it was in the sense that I do now. And I hope I say the same thing 10 years from now. And then 10 years from that point, I just think the word of God's amazing. It's just, I wish I would have had confidence in as a woman knowing the word more or diving in and understanding I could. That's yeah, I think I was about to say all of those are good reminders. Uh, I don't I, I'm sure for those listening, if you're not married, the second one is for some of you, but be patient. We'll, we'll change that too. Uh, all right. Question number three, how do you define success for yourself today? Obedience to God. Am I hearing him and am I doing what you said to do? Period. To me, that is success. And that's the fruit of knowing him and loving him and walking with him. Whether I feel like it or not, I would say obedience to the Lord. Awesome. And question number four, when times have gotten tough, what's kept you from quitting? I love when, I love what, when times get tough, what it produces. And I think having been in so many quote unquote tough situations in the past has allowed me to see like love correction is my love language. So truly it's leaning on God. Like cry on the floor and let him pick me up and move me forward because he's producing something in me in that hour, in that time. And I want whatever it is because it's him. It's another aspect of him. And so he keeps me going in that 
I was trying to specify that instead of just being like, God, because of course it is. But that aspect of God, of you are producing something right now in this difficulty. And because this moment, and this may not be true. I understand when we lose loved ones, it's hard and it's painful and whatever. Clearly we've, most of us have probably experienced that, but when a difficult circumstance comes, I'm like, where am I off? Because if I was whole, would this be as difficult? If I trusted you, God, would it be difficult? And so I think I view difficult situations as growing opportunities the most now. I think that's a really good reminder to have the right perspective, even when the proverbial poop hits the fan, like knowing that he really does turn all things to good. He might not cause all things for to happen, but he is going to turn them all to good. And that trust and faith yeah. factor there. That's so And good. I think in that moment, uh, one way to sum that up is it's, is the, it's not, is the glass half empty or is the glass half full? It's okay. Cause that's where the battle is. Is it half empty or is it half full? And he's look at who's pouring the water. And that is to me, that is the ultimate like mind blowing moment of any situation you could go through. Yeah, that's really good. Question number five, Jamie Lynn, what question should we have asked that we did not? How many fingers am I holding up? (laughs) All right. Right now, how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Oh, sorry. We're going to have to press into that prophetic gifting next time. Maybe in 10 years, y'all can have me back down in for the prophetic and see how much I've grown. (laughs) There you go. Jamie Lynn, this has definitely been one of the most fun interviews that we've had. And uh, we really appreciate you you spending the time and sharing your heart and being so honest. Jamie Lynn, I, I almost forgot, before we let you go, how can people learn more about what you're doing? When is your book coming out? How can yeah. we get connected with you? Everything could, you could go to jamielynnwallnow.com and Lynn is spelled with one N, jamielynnwallnow.com. And everything, my Instagram, Facebook, public Facebook page, all of that is just my name. And you can cash at me. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. My book comes out May 18th. And I'm so sorry, guys. My book comes out May 18th. And you can pre-order right now a legit book and shirt combo on my website, jamielimnow.com. Um, with you, you guys can use 15% off code TRIBE2021, all lowercase, TRIBE2021. And you can get 15% off. And the t-shirt says Yahweh, not my way with the book. Or you could get my book at Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, any Christian bookstore, any place they sell. Thank you again, Jamie Lynn. It was an honor. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.